Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. The Last Kids on Earth and their superhero alter egos are back in the latest installment of the graphic novel spinoff series, The Last Comics on Earth, Too Many Villains. Jack, June, Quint, and Dirk face their biggest challenge yet, creating the sequel to their hit graphic novel in a mad dash, puzzle-filled race across Apocalyptia to stop the biggest evil plan in history. Hey, you know what the creators of Last Comics on Earth's evil plan is? Make me and my kids love these books. Seriously, my younger kid is a huge fan of both the Last Kid series and the Last Comic series. It's true. And now I'm hooked too. The whole team has created a delightful cast of characters with some fantastic kid-friendly art throughout that will appeal to readers of all ages. Buy your copy of The Last Comics on Earth in stores today. You can also visit lastkidsonearth.com to learn more. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Pete. And we are once again coming to you from Baltimore Comic-Con with Evan Doc Shaner. Doc, welcome. Woo-hoo! Hi. Oh, my Good gosh. Here. So excited to have you here. I I love talking about stuff that's going on at the con. And yesterday, I passed by your booth. You had a line around the block <laughs> of people coming. What is that experience like for you? Well, it's great because I siphon off Tom just a little bit. <laughs> Mitch and I kind of ride Tom King's to- coattails. All the way to getting some signatures. <laughs> um, no, it's, and especially since I started tabling with Comic Sketch Art and Tom's whole crew, uh, it's changed my con experience tremendously. So, Well, how has it changed it then? Because I saw that you also had uh, Mir Grandolfo was there and a yep. couple of other folks. So it, does it just make the whole thing more concentrated, I imagine? Yeah, I think so. It's also, you know, we schedule things out so we're not sitting at the table the entire time because... Mm. I, I found for a long time when I first started out and started coming to cons and I would sit there all day, I would get a little bummed out just sitting in one place for mm-hmm. six or seven hours. Uh, but now, you know, we have shifts and we're able to concentrate things. It's, it's much nicer. Oh, that's great. Uh, let, let's talk about some of your work. And I actually want to take a step back. Mm-hmm. I was doing a little reading before we were chatting. I was not... Tell me if I'm wrong about this, but I was not surprised to learn you're inspired by Darwin Cook. Is oh, that... Yeah. So talk about that influence a little bit. What was your first experience with Darwin Cook, and how did that influence your art? I first, uh, it was New Frontier, certainly. Yeah. Um, I was in college uh, in 2003, 2004, and I was feeling kind of, you know, brand new experience for me in a lot of ways. I was a little homesick, but there was a comic book store in town, and I remember going one week and seeing the store poster for New Frontier coming up soon and it was that image of um, the Justice League's hands with mm. Hal's hand in the middle reaching yeah. up for the ring and just the whole style of it blew my mind I hadn't seen anything like that in the comics I'd been reading up to that point and I remember when the book finally hit stands and picking it up and taking it home with me seeing a book that looked like that didn't look like everything else on the stands you know at the time a lot of the books looked so much the same to me and looked like something that I didn't personally find myself doing. You know, it's art that I appreciated, certainly, and I loved reading the stories, but 
um, in terms of what I was drawing for myself at the time, I didn't see myself in those books. But with Darwin, I saw myself in that work. It was so different. It was something new. And to see people react so positively to it uh, gave me hope that, you know, maybe I could actually work in superhero comics at some point. Um, and, you know, and then soon after Darwin, folks like Chris Somney and, you know, and other guys that I came in with started to come in. And it really opened the floodgates for folks like me uh, who worked in that way. It- I wanted to ask you about that in particular because I feel like people see stuff like Darwin Cook's art or Chris Ebney's art or your art and they say, oh, it's very old school, but I don't think it is exactly. Mm -hmm. Like, you have very similar heavy lines that are inked throughout, but it's not necessarily like something that you go back to the 1920s per se. How would you describe that stuff? Yeah, I think we, we tend to get lumped in with, I think a lot of people just say golden age, right? which, and it's not that I think I'm any better, or, but it is different. Yeah. I think people think it's golden age because of the simpler lines, because of the more open spaces. Um, but if you go back and look at that golden age stuff, it's much different in terms of storytelling. Um, in general, I think it's, it's a more nuanced mm-hmm. difference uh, than people think. And I don't hold it against anybody, certainly. I, you know, that's the way we interact with any kind of media is we know, we go with what we know and we base our comparisons on that. So it's okay. But uh, yeah, certainly, I know Darwin would get kind of frustrated with it, with the comparisons and feeling like he was a little shoehorned into Golden Age stuff. I know Chris has been very careful about what projects he chooses based on that. I've been very careful about what I choose um, because I don't want to get pigeonholed into that one category. Yeah. Well, I think what characterizes it is partially the material you guys are covering. Like, it's a little more earnest. It's a little more hopeful. It's not quite... We'll get into this in a second, probably, but not quite as dark, per se. But but I think it's also the facial expressions, right? Like, they're a little simpler in terms of the lines, those thicker lines that we were talking about. Um, how How did you develop that style? Going from looking at what Darwin was doing to figuring out who you are because again you're very different from each other well that's I think I mean to be be fair when I first started out it was very much like just ripping off Darwin (laughs) in any way that I could Um, and you know and learning from him what I could Um, but I think it's all about like the nuanced acting facial acting and characters really interacting with each other that's what's most important to me as an artist I love drawing the action stuff, too, and I like drawing big, you know, giant monsters and, all, you know, all sorts of the different kind of things that comics, especially superhero comics, offer us the artist. But the thing that really means a lot to me is acting, really communicating feeling and emotion uh, through these characters in, in new and nuanced ways. Yeah. Well, it's, it's really cool to hear you uh, say that, because one of my favorite things about your art is, like, the way it makes me feel, the vibe, the tone of it. It's really cool. Kind of sucks you into this world. Well, thank you. Uh, it's cool to hear you talk about things that you like. What's your favorite part of, like, getting a new project or when you start? Uh, is it, like, the the ideas that you can come up with? Is it just seeing the final product? Like, what's your favorite thing about it? I think it's it's kind of like what you said. It's I like kind of let, sitting with the character for a minute and seeing like what new things can we bring to this character specifically through this story that fits for what the kind of story we're telling 
I love it's it's all the free work I do for DC. Where I, do, I sit with the designs for months, and I'm sitting there tooling with it, and because I really like taking a character we've had around for years and finding what little things can I add to that character that are for me. Yeah. That you know you see it in 20, 30 years, and you'll say that's a Shainer. Superman or whoever. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to find those little things, and it's something I, I credit partially to a good friend of mine, Joe Quinones, mm-hmm. um, who I always find he does this wonderful thing where he finds one little trait in a character that makes it his take on that character, and I think it's such a smart thing to do. Yeah. Just in terms of branding, even. Um, but I think people really. If you find the heart of that character, I think people really respond to it. And then a lot of the other stuff with story really falls into place. I think it's it's that magic trick that we're able to pull off if we do our job right. You know. Um, I want to ask you about Strange Adventures, and I'm going to mm-hmm. ask you a question you probably have gotten one million times, but I'm curious <laughs> to ask it anyway. What was it like switching off with Mitch Drads, and what was the coordination like, Terrible. if anything? Terrible. Horrendous. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, I don't know if you've met that guy, but he's a monster. Oh, God. Um, it's all coming out on so this So it was podcast. appropriate that we worked on Adam Strange. <laughs> no, it's, it's funny. Um, Mitch, I've known for years. I've known Mitch probably just as long as anybody I've known in comics. We met each other just as we were both coming up. Um, and I think it's his friendship means a lot to me because we've been able to help each other through those early years when you're kind of struggling with should I keep going should I keep trying this comic book thing Um, so it was nice to finally have this project where we could kind of trade off but it's funny we did so much of the quote unquote pre-production work together in terms of figuring out what's Adam going to look like but our stories rarely crossed over with one another to the point where as the book went on we were communicating less and less about what we were doing and when we talk every day we have a text chain with Tom and Clay Mann and we talk every day no kidding Um, but as the book was going Mitch and I were saying less and less what we were going to do to the point where it became like how can I surprise Mitch or and both of us were like how can we do something and not tell Tom at all (laughs) <laughs> because near the end of the book, <laughs> Mitch would put the book together with my stuff and his stuff, and then we'd show it to Tom, and Tom would go, what is this? <laughs> I know I didn't write this into the book. <laughs> and so it became this thing about surprising each other, and I think that was a really, creatively, a really nice energy to try and surprise each other, to surprise ourselves and challenge ourselves in that way. Um to take it a step back to Adam Strange, just because you were saying you like to find the core of a character and what mm-hmm. they're about, when you were developing him with Mitch, obviously they're at two very different places in his life, but what is that core? What's that core that you found that you could take to the two different sections? I think we both were... I think the struggle at first was to find a look for him that could be two things at once. Mm-hmm. Certainly, because we're... we're telling stories from two you know eventually we meet in the middle I think that was the nice thing about the way Tom structured the story was at the end of the book we kind of meet in the middle but at the beginning we're two you know without spoilers necessarily for Strange Adventures on my side you're meeting Adam before this event that changes his whole attitude and you're meeting him on Mitch's side afterward so finding something in that face where we could kind of play both sides of it, you know, keep him neutral enough, um, 
and you know, a lot of the stuff I think is just stuff that Mitch and I notice. Mm-hmm. But I hopefully, you know, it, it communicates in small ways uh, to the reader. Uh, but it's very tricky uh, to pull off. Uh, I wanted to ask you about another book that we really love, New Champions of Shazam. Yeah. So what was your take that on Barry Marvel? Because we we really love that book so much. We felt like, <laughs> I felt like it was also a very different thing for you because it didn't accidentally give that, oh, it's like a Golden Age book. It is much more modern, much more settled, even though you have a talking buddy and you have all of these monsters and these other things. So <laughs> yeah. what was your approach to that one? It was nice. It, you know, uh, the gig came up because we were wrapping up Strange Adventures and our editor, uh, Brittany Holter on Strange, was ramping up this Mary Marvel book she was working on because she's a huge Mary fan. Uh, she knew I was a huge Mary fan. I've said for years that uh, with the Convergence event that Jeff Parker and I did, I felt like I got everything I wanted to say about Shazam out in those two issues. We really worked hard to jam back those two issues with everything we wanted to say. So I always said, like, I would come back to Shazam if Mary's in the lead. I think she's way overdue to be the leader of that family. Um, and I think it was a nice circumstance where everything kind of led up to a point where she could. Um, but I got to hand a lot of it to the writer, Josie Campbell. She has done a lot of great work with other characters in TV that, um, where it's an update of an older creation mm-hmm. for a new audience. And that's what we were looking for with Mary, was she's been around almost 80 years. Most people know of Mary if they don't know her well. We wanted to find a take on that character that brought her to a new audience, to this this college-age audience. Um, And so much of that was in Josie's writing. Uh, And it really led to the way I took the characters with Poppy and uh, our update on Georgia Savannah Mm -hmm. and a lot of the old rogues gallery for Mary. Were you, I'm trying to remember now, but for the villain, for Savannah, was that Michelle Gomez? Were you trying Michelle Gomez? (laughs) You're the first person to bring it up. Oh, really? It seems so, like I try not to, I personally don't like basing characters on actors because for one thing, I'm not a very good characterist. Mm -hmm. It's not in my talent set to look at an actor and be like, you know, and draw that. Um, but I also find it's very hard to keep consistent. But in that one example, the way Josie described Georgia to me, all I could think in my head was Georgia was was Michelle Gomez. Yeah. And because I'd, I'd watched the years of Doctor Who with Michelle Gomez, um, and you know, and Doom Patrol and everything else she's been on, I just feel like if they were ever to do Doctor Savannah, but gender flip it, like Michelle Gomez just seems perfect for me. Yeah. Just her face shape and so much of the way she plays the characters she's played over the years, I was like, that is Savannah on paper. Absolutely. So it just seemed like a natural fit to me. I tried to make it not so blatant. (laughs) So if I'm I'm the first person that's noticed it, I'm encouraged by you being the first person to bring it up. Uh, What do you have coming up at this point? What else can you plug, if anything? Uh, Right now I'm working on a five-issue mini for Black Label. Um, that I'm writing and drawing. Oh wow! Um, it's I start next week drawing it. We've been it, it only got greenlit a few months ago, so we're we've been working on the um, story bible, so to speak. Um, but uh, yeah, I start drawing it next week. I don't know when it's going to be 
uh, hitting the stands, but sooner than later, hopefully. So, Are you cool. able to say anything more about it or not quite yet? Um... <laughs> I'm trying to be because it's so hard to think of something that wouldn't just give the whole thing away. Um, I think it's it's a group of characters that I think people have been asking about in regards to me for a long time, and I've been very hesitant to talk about, and I push back a little bit, mm-hmm. admittedly, on these characters. But I think we found a way into them that really works for me, and. I really feel like, I mean, we'll see once the end product is out there on the stands, but I'm really putting my all into this to be the most Doc Shaner shit on the stands. That, 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 you know, I think I've been generally, gradually working my way towards really putting something on the page that feels like me, um, and just me. Yeah. So, awesome. Well, to that end, this is something that we've been talking a lot about with various uh, writer artists or artist writers, I guess, if you want to put it in that direction. What is it like being both sides of the equation for you? What is it like being your own writer that then you have to And interpret? do you still yell at the other one? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I've been working as my own colorist for a couple of years, and even that has been like, what, idiot? <laughs> made me do this. So it's, no, and it's threefold now. Um, I have, <laughs> I'm trying not to go so easy on the, the artist side. Of myself, because I know part of me is like, I don't want to draw that. <laughs> I've been, <laughs> I've been purposefully like, do we need guns in this scene? Because I hate drawing guns. Um, but it's been interesting. It's I've learned a lot being on the writers. I think over the years, when you're only working on one side of the coin, it's easy to be like, these flipping writers don't know what they're doing. I'm a genius. <laughs> and then you start writing, and you're realizing, oh. Here's all the steps that writers have to go through that artists don't have to deal with. Oftentimes when I'm drawing, I know, like, I'm going to draw this and DC gets it. Yeah. I'm not going to change anything. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's very different on the writer's side because writers have a lot of different masters to, to answer to. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's been an eye-opening process for sure. Cool. Where can people check you out, socially or otherwise? Um, I'm on whatever Twitter calls itself right now, at <laughs> uh, Doc Shaner, um, and on all the other, like, Blue Sky and Instagram and all that. Um, you look for Doc Shaner. That's, it's, it's definitely me. There's not other ones. Awesome. Right. Thank you, Doc. Really looking forward to the Black Label book, whatever it is. And I'll tell Michelle Gomez, who lives in my neighborhood, that you say hello. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully your lawyers are kind. <laughs> And if you'd like to support this podcast and all the podcasts, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about comics. Apple, Android, Spotify, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on TikTok or Instagram, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the comic book shop. Don't